where is it? Sorry, right here. If we scroll through and look at, at, at IS-75, the beginning of IS-75 asks, you know, do you wish, do you desire that they are going to follow you? And so here Allah Ta'ala is speaking to us about the children of Israel. And then as we said that, oh, where'd it go? As we said, um, what's taking place in this whole subsection, Allah Ta'ala is speaking to the Ummah of Muhammad about the Ummah of Musa, peace be upon him. In particular, Allah Ta'ala is speaking to the Prophet and the Sahaba, peace be upon him, about the behaviors of the Jews of Medina. And so what is it about Islam and Christianity uh, where we have this innate desire for everybody to become Muslim. You know, some of you are probably thinking, I don't have that desire, but no, we have this, I mean, there's this common sentiment where, you know, we're always doing da'wah to, to, to everybody. You know, I gave the example of me walking into the Masjid of Al-Azhar, and then there's this guy who gives me this, this little booklet on the Quran and science, you know, like thanks man uh, uh, but what is about Islam and Christianity in particular I don't know of any other of the big religions ancient religions that have as much of a missionary impulse as do uh, these two religions in fact I have the microphone shut off let me give you the power to turn on your microphone and of course, now I've forgotten how to do that. So we might just have to wait to let people raise their hands. Any thoughts? How is it that like as Muslims, we are programmed uh, uh, Dr. Mahan, you're saying something? Type. Oh, you can type. Okay, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Any thoughts? No ideas whatsoever. It's going to be one really short class or a long class. So I'm not exactly sure who, who, who Dr. Mirza is speaking to, who are gesturing to at the moment, everyone. Okay. Oh, Lethal Court raises hand. Mashallah, mashallah, Lethwita. Okay, what do you got? Um, everything is uh, muted and the chat box is disabled. Uh, oh, so snap. that's why oh, I know you're saying you can't type. Correct. Oh, I thought you were saying you can type. Okay. All right. All right. That, that's my reflection. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. So having said that, any thoughts? Why is it that in Al-Islam we have this uh, missionary impulse about ourselves or towards the rest of the world? Nothing, nothing whatsoever. No idea whatsoever. People are typing, okay, uh, let's see. 
Okay, so 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 Sami is saying we have this because it's in our nature. So I'm asking, why is it in our nature? Because of Akhira. Uh, Dr. Mahan, if you could explain that point further. Uh, benefits are great to help someone convert. I think that is part of it. I think it's even more than that. I mean, I don't have a fixed answer. Um, this is also somewhat of a question. Oh, snap. No, no, no. Suddenly everyone's typing. Hold on. Whoa. Uh, shot it because we think as a society, if I can ask you to explain that more, Iqbal is saying pre, um, for the prophet said to convey the message. Uh, he definitely did say that, and I do think some people take it from that instruction, but I think it's even something more than that. Meaning if the prophet, peace be upon him, did not say that, I think we would still have this this impulse. Sadi is saying, is it because we have been told to do Amr bil Maruf and Nahiyan al-Munkar? I think that's part of it. I think if that was not part of the text, I feel we would still have this. Uh, interesting, inherent altruism that we want everyone to go to heaven. I think that is getting closer to, to, to what is uh, uh, compelling us. And thus what Basra is saying that we think everyone's doomed. Uh, I wonder even maybe uh, uh, Anand is correct that maybe there is some sort of feeling of superiority that we possess the truth. And so Shadok, okay, you're speaking from that perspective, you want everyone to, to go to heaven and such. Yeah. And then also try to, to look through the lens of, of Christianity. Suleiman is saying maybe this is a little chicken and egg, but because Islam Christian both tied to major world empires in a way that others were not, could be. Uh, uh, Anand, please explain universalism, uh, especially the fact of the capital letters. Self-righteousness as a community. Maybe, you know. So, so think about it this way. Suppose, let's say, what's somebody famous? Uh, so suppose tomorrow uh, Kim Kardashian announces that she is becoming Muslim. And so many people are going to feel so good about themselves. You know, Alhamdulillah, Kim Kardashian, a Muslim, you know. Um, why would, feel, why would this make us feel good? <laughs> and forget the part of us feeling good about ourselves with feeling good for her. Or who else? You know, naturally I'm thinking of Kanye West, but um, uh, trying to think of other people. Self-preservation, like to, to keep it shrinking from shrinking as a political force. I don't know that we are anything of a political force. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Kafir Sutherland. Okay, so, so, uh, Okay, sure. Everyone is still muted. Yeah, thank you, thank you, boss. Here, well, you're all uh, typing, coming up with uh, ideas. Let me try to figure out how to allow you all the power to demutify yourself. Um, oh wait, I think I found it. Okay, get ready. Ta-da! You have been given the power. Okay, so let's say anyone who wants to speak. Please tell Christian Bale. <laughs> I, may, I don't remember if it was in this class, but uh, a, a person in my sister's community up in Milwaukee became Muslim and his name was Christian, but he decided that that was not appropriate. So he changed his name to Isa. Uh, so anyone in Basir, it felt as though you just needed to use the microphone. Anyone want to share other thoughts? I think there's something to it 
Uh, oh, what does Romeo say? Perhaps because the experience of peace that comes with submission. Okay, that's obviously a convert speaking right there. Feels very powerful combined with the fact that people have difficulties, uh, difficulty, helplessness in uh, in the face of others' pain. Perhaps uh, supporting someone in finding Islam is the only way to feel like you're doing something about others' pain. Yeah, that part I think works. But uh, I think there's also something to the fact that Islam and Christianity both have a figure at the center of, of, of the universe. So in Christianity, you have Isa alayhi salam at the center, and in Islam, obviously Allah is at the center, but in terms of this world, you have the Prophet, peace be upon him, at the center. And I think some of this impulse to share and some of this impulse, which, which might actually be self-righteousness or a feeling of superiority, is this, is this sense of trying to connect people intentionally or consciously or unintentionally, unconsciously, with either the prophet, peace be upon him, or with Jesus. That I suspect if, if uh, there is much more of a presence of the Buddha is I think Buddhism comes closest of the non-missionary traditions um, that still has a little bit of a missionary impulse. Uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, let me, let me rephrase. I think if Hinduism had a figure at the center, uh, I don't think, uh, I, I think Jews do look at Moses with reverence, but it's almost as though the Jewish people are at the center. And, and if atheism had a figure at the center of it, uh, I would suggest that there is something about human nature that would compel atheists to also be much more missionary into, in, in, in their approach. What do you all think? I do agree with a lot of the other reasons I'm giving. Why does the presence of a central figure make a religious group missionary? This is, I'm just saying, is something uh, uh, about, uh, uh, something to it about human nature, you know? This is the hero that we have. Join us in our reverence of this hero. So there's the Last Dance documentary that's going on right now with about the Chicago Bulls, and and it's essentially a commercial from Michael Jordan. And and so there is this innate, for Chicagoans at least, there's this innate, you know, desire to get everyone to appreciate Michael Jordan, and to defend Michael Jordan. You know, uh, let's see, not so much because Jews cannot be converted, they believe you are or are not Jewish. Uh, Judaism in its early history actually had a missionary bent to it. I don't know, you know, if Musab is here, like what phase that would be. This is being narrated to me by, by a Jewish teacher. Um, and then that, for various reasons, stopped. Um, uh, and so, yeah, in terms of, of Orthodox Judaism, you, you cannot convert, but in terms of, of Reformed Judaism, you, you definitely can convert and such. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is, whatever is the core reason, I do think uh, that this is something fascinating about Islam and, and, and Christianity. And yes, in both traditions, there is an actual call to save people. Right, the prophet peace you know, that's central to his mission, and then by extension, that becomes our responsibility as messengers of the messenger. 
And then in Christianity, uh, there's definitely the, 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 the goal to give grace to people or to save people's souls and such. In any case, uh, I think about it some more, but the, uh, 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 I do think there's something to it with having this figure at the center of, of, the, of the cosmos of the solar system of belief. Okay, having said that, <clears throat> now let's get into the next subsection, which is wrong things people do regarding their oaths. Now we're also going to see. Oh wait, Sammy is saying maybe like a tribe. Our tribe is better than your tribe, and seeing it, seeing other another faith grow larger than our own would simply imply that our faith is lesser or wrong. Muslims often say that Islam is fastest growing religion on the planet, as if to make up for perceived fault. You're, I think, making uh, uh, Sammy. I think you're making a very, very profound point that we're going to see when we see. We're going to see a number of passages that are going to be uh, absolutely about tribalism. Um, in the latter part of, of this. And your comment, I think, will become very, very relevant there. Like when it says, you know, the people of, of um, uh, the, the Jews and Christians, or the people of the book, I forgot the exact term, but um, uh, uh, they would love for no good to happen to you out of envy. Okay, so, so that's a point we'll be touching on again. Inshallah. But now getting to this next subsection, starting from Ayah 83, we have wrong things people do regarding the oaths that they make. So first is regarding scripture, and now the oaths. This is an ayah that we've already looked at briefly when we were discussing uh, at the beginning of the last course the actual pact that the children of Israel made. And, and so once again, let's look at the terms of the pact. Number one, do not worship anyone except for Allah. So be good to your parents. And to your relatives and the, uh, the orphans and the needy. And then speak well to everyone. And then after that, establish the law, give zakah. And Allah Ta'ala is saying, you turned away, except then you turned away, except for a few of you, and you were refusing. So here, now he's turning back and speaking to them directly, although the overall arch is that Allah Ta'ala is speaking to us. And so, so one point I want to draw our attention to, which I probably did back then also, is that I find it fascinating that the oath, most of the terms of the oath are about good conduct. Be good to your parents. Be good to... to the people near you, be good to the orphans, be good to the needy, and then speak well to everyone. And then establish salah and give zakah. And we also have a parallel in terms of the layout of the commands we have uh, addressed towards us in the Quran. Remember, anybody remember what the first command is or where it is? Anyone? Dun, dun. Be the abd of your rab, mashallah, very good. Okay, and then I 21. Yes, exactly. And then the second one is at the end of I 22. First two commands relate to our relationship with Allah. And the third command relate to our relationship with other Muslims. And then what we're also going to see is the fourth command is going to relate to people in general. And the fifth command is going to relate to people who are adversarial. And so the first two commands relate to our uh, worship of Allah, consistent with what we have here. And then the next three commands relate to our interaction with people. 
consistent with what we have here. And then we'll have the instruction for Salah and Zakah. All of these are coming up literally in the next 20 ayahs, inshallah. Okay, and so what happened? They confirmed, and then they turned away. And what else is taking place in the pact? Do not shed each other's blood, nor evict one another from their homes. And then you acknowledge this while you are bearing witness. So it's emphasized. What is Allah Ta'ala emphasizing? You didn't just confirm the pact. You bore witness to this. Okay, this is not like you've entered into this half-heartedly. And then what does it say in Ayah 85? Uh, the middle of Ayah 85 is one of the scariest parts of the entire Quran, but let's look at the, this, the first part of it. Okay, then you're the ones who are killing each other. Yeah. Evicting a part of your people from their homes and then lining up with people against each other in sin and aggression. Okay, so you're already breaking the rules. Now the bizarro contradiction is that you're driving people out of their homes and you're, you're shedding blood of each other. But if your people are brought to you, or if these people are brought to you, you would still ransom them off because you also have this obligation for ransom. This is kind of, kind of a, a complicated point that I always fail in explaining. But uh, how do we explain this? So think about, for example, let's say you have a, a couple that, uh, you know, that commits zina. So they're having relations outside of marriage. And then uh, she gets pregnant and then they decide, okay, we have to keep the child okay, because that's what we're supposed to do. Okay. And so, so on one hand, we have the action itself. Okay. And then there's the consequences of our action. And often people will get pious when they're faced with the consequences of their action. Uh, even though the motivating action may have been impious. And that's what we have over here. Meaning, why are you being pious now in the context of, of these people ransom, uh, you know, paying for ransom for, for their tribes members uh, when you, should have been, you shouldn't have been driving them out in the first place? And so we have this, this sentence or this question in the middle of the surah of the ayah. Do you believe in some of the kitab and do you reject some of the kitab? So let's frame this from a different perspective. Think back. Look at your Islam for the past year, just for the past year, hypothetically, and look at those things where you're consistently good at in completing, meaning things you consistently complete, and then look at that list of things that you consistently do not complete, meaning you're not consistent at them or if you do them at all. And so then the question being raised is effectively do you believe in part of the book and do you reject part of it? Meaning, if I look at my conduct for the past year, or we can make it two years or five years, let's say, let's say, you know, we have this person who is really strong at making all their fasts, you know, for Ramadan, and then when they have to make them up, they make them up, they make them up pretty quickly. Yet the same person 
keeps missing, you know, three of five prayers a day. And that's been going on for a year or a couple years. And let's say, let's say, so we'll just say hypothetically me, let's say I'm making all my Ramadans, my fasts, like a machine, uh, but prayers, I keep missing Fajr, I keep missing Isha, I keep missing, you know, another one in the day, Asr. Yeah. And I'm not taking active steps to fix that shortcoming. Does this question apply to me? Am I effectively believing in the book as illustrated by my actions, meaning the obligation to fast? And am I rejecting part of the book as illustrated by my actions, the failure to, to make my prayers? Uh, and the lack of effort beyond feeling bad about it, the lack of active effort in changing things. But let's say I'm so used to it. That's why I'm going, I'm using a, you know, a, a span of a year or a couple years. Let's say uh, even how much I feel bad about it, more than that, I just feel like, yeah, this is just what I do. You know, I shouldn't, but this is what I do. Okay. Does this apply to me? Why or why not? And before opening the floor for, for reflections, let's look at how scary things get. What is the compensation for those who do this except disgrace in dunya? Okay. And then the severest punishment in Akhira. Okay. Now, is me missing prayers on a regular basis the equivalent of people who are killing? Obviously not. But even if the intensity of the disgrace and the humiliation is not as severe as it would be for someone who is driving other people out of their homes and killing them, um, and then ransoming, ransoming them off for at least for some piety, um, is it not still in the same direction? What do you all think? Dawn, 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 dawn. Here we are, the final third of Ramadan, raising this heavy duty question. Uh, uh, yeah, I go for a buzzer. So I always had a question uh, in, in my understanding about this ayah. Um, so I've heard this being used in a sense um, where let's say you're practicing, uh, you are missing a practice of your of your uh, worship, um, and being implied in that that. Um, that it would uh, it would be same as what has been explained here, mm -hmm. but um, but over here uh, I guess the the main point is that you are making a mockery of of the laws of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Meaning, uh, he uh, let's say uh, we have to grant give someone justice, and we don't give them justice, but at the end we give them food or something because Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala said. You know, to also, it's, it's a part of that command of, you know, being mm -hmm. just. Mm -hmm. So I, I see it's like a mockery, like they break the laws, but then, at the, you know, the easiest one that they can do in that, in that particular part of that worship. Uh, for example, they're killing and after they kill or after they're making wars, after they're made prisoners, then they're giving 
uh, ransom to to uh, and uh, to the uh, oppressors, and then they're saying that uh, this is part of you know this is this is sawab. So uh, I I think the context is maybe a little bit different. It's very specific, like they're mocking the the uh, uh, the word of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. But it could be maybe the other generalization. What do you think about that? So uh, I would say regarding the mocking aspect, um, we would infer that that's the end result, right? Uh, uh, so if we were to change my example to, let's say I don't, I don't make my fast, even though I'm supposed to, but then I give donations for people to, to make their fast. And let's say there's nothing stopping me from making my own fast and I'm not feeding these people out of, to make up for my, my missed fast. I'm doing it because it's a, it's a, you know, an upright thing to do. Uh, essentially what I'm asking is, uh, even though I'm speaking of something that I believe is a far less severity of what is in this ayah, is it still in the same universe? And thus, if yes, does that warrant some sort of disgrace? I'm not jumping to say, yes, it is. You know, I like asking the question in such a dramatic way just because it adds drama to the, to, to the moments. Um, because all of us have aspects in our life where we're consistently falling short to the point that it becomes such habit that we may not even notice. But so yeah, so essentially Basar, I'm saying, uh, I don't disagree with, with the point you're making. It's more, I'm just raising a question for our, everyone's reflection. Uh, Ahant, what do you say? Yeah, so earlier on uh, in the course, we had, you know, someone had asked the, uh, you know, the question, you know, why is all this happening? Why have we been sent down? And, you know, why have we been given these certain, like, you know, instructions? Um, you know, why were humans placed through all of this, you know, trial and such? Um, and I think this sort of speaks to that where, um, you know, we were kind of sent here to kind of like look at ourselves and where we are falling short. Um, I guess my question back, you know, uh, to you is, uh, is our, you know, uh, consistent falling short on certain, you know, acts of like obedience or certain, you know, accepting of the you know, scripture? Is that something we just need to work on? Is that you know, kind of the purpose of why we're here? So, well, I mean, uh, whether it's part of the purpose of why we're here, um, I would say partially yes, in the sense that the goal is to reach Allah with a pure heart, right? Which means continuous quality improvement of our heart, which then means continuous quality improvement of our, of our uh, actions. And, and if we frame it that way, then, then I would agree with what you're saying. Uh, and keep in mind, I'm adding the key point of okay, I am doing these things and I'm falling short of these things and I'm not doing anything about the fact that I'm falling short. So even think of the hadith we often quote about of Abu Sayyid al-Khudri when you see something wrong, you know, you see something wrong, change it with your hands. If not, change it with your tongue. If not, feel bad about your heart. That's the worst of faith. That we often frame it in the context of social justice, but also frame it in the context of your own condition. If I see something wrong, uh, within myself, 
then I should change it with my hand, which means action. And if not, if that is too hard, okay, for some reason, I'm getting this thing from Apple iCloud. Okay, if that is too hard, then I should try to change it with my tongue, which is what? Dua and avkar, right? Recitations and such. And otherwise, at the very least, I should just feel bad about it in my heart. That's the worst level of faith. Okay. So, I mean, so apply that, apply that hadith to the inward. And so if I'm not feeling bad in my heart, then uh, that is potentially what we see here. I'm suggesting that I bet for all of us, uh, if there's aspects of our deen that we're not practicing consistently, we probably still feel bad about our heart, which would, inshallah, exempt us from what's in this ayah. I'll give you a different example uh, that for some, some reason you reminded me of. Uh, this is a real world example of a guy in our community here, although he's vanished. There's this mystery man who shows up and, and sometimes causes a mess. And he, uh, uh, he heard some rumor that this other guy, I want to give you the man's name. Well, let's just give you fake names. Okay, so there's Joe and then Frank, okay? You know, there's Muslim guys with Muslim names. So Joe hears that Frank said something nasty about him, okay? Uh, or made some comment against him, okay? And so Joe goes to Frank's house, knocks on the door, Frank opens, comes out, and then Joe punches him in the face, you know, because, because of the backbiting that Frank allegedly did. And then Frank decides we should figure out how to resolve this. After, after he punches him in the face and he says, I have to sit down because when you're angry, you're supposed to sit down. And then he's trying to get into a conversation with, with Frank to, uh, uh, to resolve their differences after having punched him in the face. I think he actually punched him in the face so hard that he broke his cheek. Yeah. And, uh, I think that even though that's kind of an absurd real life example, I think this is also something very human that if we look in our actions, we will see these types of goofy contradictions, not to that extreme. But yeah, uh, I don't know if I totally confused you with that example, but. Um, no, and you know, kind of going off of that, you know, there has been an overwhelming theme of mercy, of course, from, you know, you know, in the text that we've, you know, covered, and mm -hmm. so looking at this ayah and how we can sometimes fall short, you know, uh, in our actions, how do we get, you know, or how do we not get complacent in like improving ourselves, you know, with this overarching uh, look of, of mercy? Uh, you know, I guess what I'm uh, asking is how do we not get too merciful on ourselves, ourselves. and at the same time be merciful to the people around us? Mm -hmm. I guess that's so so definitely we do have to be merciful upon ourselves. I mean, you often find like, you know, one school of Islam tends to be more like sandpaper and the other extreme tends to be more like a feather. The sandpaper school is everything you're doing is wrong and it's all abrasive. And then the feather approach is not nah, less forgiving. Everything is fine here, take a flower, right? And so, so the goal is to be somewhere uh, uh, in the middle. Uh, uh, but uh, that, so there's our own ongoing concerns and that's one of the benefits of ongoing learning to keep reminding ourselves about the seriousness of these things. 
And then also the, the usual answers would be the company that we keep, the mentors that we keep, and the nature of the relationships we keep, those mentors that keep us in check and such. Because uh, one thing I, I see very frequently that I saw again uh, today in an email that I'll have students that will come to me, you know, that are trying to, that are wrestling with Dean and they're trying to reconnect with Dean and then we'll meet on a weekly basis and, and sometimes things benefit and it seems as though they're getting more and more in touch with Dean, more and more conscious of Dean as illustrated in their concern about their actions and such. And then if for whatever reason we get disconnected, then it's like a lot of that gets erased away. And it's not that I'm tooting my own horn for, for my power or anything like that. I think it's just a natural result. If you're sort of an island or you're this sheep on your own, if you're with a flock, then you're going to be in better shape. You know, if you're disconnected from the flock, you're going to be much more vulnerable. And, and, and so, so, so to answer your question, I would speak of the usual answers and the core of it, the core of it is the ongoing search for, for, for knowledge and uh, being vigilant about the company we keep and the teachers we keep. Uh, this is uh, some of these other comments. Steffi Mirza says, it depends on the attitude. If I'm doing things, I know it is falling short and should improve if I'm doing things and think that's enough. There is some arrogance there. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the point I'm suggesting is a lot of times the that's enough is something we do in action as opposed to uh, consciously thinking, yeah, yeah, I'm doing plenty. Uh, and that's sort of the question that I'm raising. Uh, Sami asks whether or not it's a question of the same degree. Shouldn't we be fearful that it is of the same degree? Yes, this is a very important point, and we will be punished and try and rectify the fault. But at the same time, be hopeful that it isn't of the same degree. Yeah, I'd agree with exactly how you phrase this, that this goes back to the hope and fear. Uh, because we do know, I'm using Salah as an example just because it is so frequent. And then, you know, we're often teaching that it is a pillar um, to the point that the pillar, not just in terms of the five pillars, but uh, a pillar of the whole dean. And we're also taught uh, that, you know, one of the first things you'll be questioned about is your Salah. If you pass that, everything else is going to be easier to pass. Uh, let's see. Their disobedience caused by the problem and they feel pious to solve the problem. Uh, Basir, if you can explain that point. Uh, understanding. Shadik, failure and falling short isn't the same as rejection. Uh, I agree with you. The question it's raising, however, is, is it the same as rejection? So the ayah isn't saying, you know, you have, you know, believed in part of the book and rejected part of the book. Uh, the ayah is asking, is this what you're doing? Is this effectively what you're doing with consistently falling short on some things? I mean, is, is it essentially the same thing, even though it may not be willful rejection? And so Omar al-Khadra, isn't something good coming out of something uh, bad is better than nothing at all. So I think what you're saying is that at least they're doing part of the good. Uh, 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 I would say sure as a general sense, but think about it in the sense that sort of closer to, to Bosser's example that suppose, uh, you know, suppose you're oppressing a population of people, but you are still allowing them to make their prayers. You know, uh, what do you think about an example like that? Uh, okay, any other thoughts and reflections about this? 
I find this specific question to be one of the scariest passages in the entire Quran. And I'm sort of thankful that there's no passage that I can think of that actually says, by consistently falling short, you are effectively rejecting. On that note, I should probably show you another ayah that I consider to be one of the scariest of all the ayahs in the Quran. Let's make this a whole fun day, you know, as we get into this, as we go deeper into the final third. I think it's, uh, it's right around here. No. Ah, here it is. Okay. Should I, so say, so the prophet peace is even being forward to, to uh, instructed to tell us this. Shall I give you the news of the biggest losers in terms of their deen? Good. And those are the people who are of loss in this worldly life, even though they think they're doing good. Good. So basically, in simple language, the biggest losers are the people who think they're doing right, but it is misguidance. Or it is wasted. So there are going to be people who are going to face Allah on the day of judgment who've done all kinds of good, and they've canceled it out for things like their tongue. That is another one of the scariest of all the ayahs. Of course, naturally, ayahs about hell should be super scary, but these are, in some ways, scarier. Alrighty, any other thoughts and reflections about this? Ahant. Um, how does this inconsistency in action bring disgrace in worldly life, like in this uh, dunya? So, so essentially the behavior of a hypocrite is that they're picking and choosing their, what they follow and what they don't follow. And so the destiny of a hypocrite is disgrace in this life and disgrace in the hereafter. And, and so, so think of this as a spiritual uh, uh, consequence that if you are picking and choosing what you follow, then you're asking for misery in dunya and akhira. Because also, I don't think we actually discussed it in, in much detail when we talked about the hypocrites. The general notion is that the hypocrites will be at a lower level of health than kafirs. And then in dunya, the hypocrites will also have their own disgrace. It may not be public humiliation, but it will be a type of disgrace, which could be, you know, this internal, um, what's the word? Not unease, but internal, just, um, um, what's the word? Um, what's the stronger word than unease? Internal. Turmoil. Turmoil. Good word. Good word. Yeah. Distress. Yeah. Yeah, mashallah. Uh, Sadia. I actually had my hand raised for the past 10 minutes and then everything I wanted to say has been already discussed. I just wanted to make the point about feeling guilty um, and at least, you know, some sort of um, having some sort of remorse. And if you still feel you know, fall short um, in the action part of it, 
probably that's, you know, we can hope for the mercy. But mm -hmm. yes, there are people who, um, who don't even feel guilty. Mm -hmm. And there are people who do feel guilty, but they still are complacent and don't really, mm -hmm. you know, do anything about falling short. So, so I guess um, based on, it's probably based mostly on, the motivation and intention of what's causing that um, uh, about that question. So, so yeah, that, I mean, you already discussed it. And so just, just wanted to make a point. Yeah, fair enough. I would still say that feeling guilty, um, and I think this is uh, in what you're saying, feeling guilty is still significantly more than not feeling guilty. Correct. And, right. and so likewise, my feeling of guilt should at least translate into seeking forgiveness for all those times that I am falling short and keep seeking of forgiveness, inshallah. Uh, Stephanie Mirza, can you explain the concept of oath covenant in the Quran, especially regarding the children of Israel? So uh, I'll address that in a couple of different ways. One is that when we go through the story of the, the, the people of Arabia, uh, the level of importance they used to give to keeping your oath and addressing things by way of oath seems to be very, very high, you know, in the same way that, you know, the way we have in our society, the, um, your credit rating is almost one of your most important attributes for them. It is your oath. Your oath will determine your reputation. And it even seems to be the case that uh, if you're someone who is breaking your oath, that was just about the worst thing you can possibly do. So when we have the story of Abdullah ibn Ubayy and, and he is turning people away from, from uh, the battle of Ohad, we're already understanding that as a behavior of hypocrisy, but even in, in terms of just textbook Arabic culture, so to speak, that seems to be a horrible betrayal. Uh, so, the, so I'm suggesting that seems to be in the universe of, of the revelation that the Quran is appearing in that it is one of the most important things that, um, uh, that you can uh, do is to keep your oath, to keep your word. And then what else do we have in the Quran that Allah Ta'ala is not gonna hold you to account for an oath if you're, if you're half-hearted in it, if you're not really paying attention or if you're doing it out of anger and that's in the context, uh, we find that in this surah later on in the context of divorce. And a way that's understood is that if you're saying talaq out of anger, then it is not going to be potentially not going to count and I'm not using, giving you all of you an excuse to start uh, indulging. But uh, in the context of the children of Israel, uh, I suspect that it is also something uh, of similar value because of how much it's mentioned in the surah, right? It's right there at the beginning. Keep your pact with me. I will keep my pact with you. And then here, here's the pact that you gave, you, you made and you have, um, and you have uh, confirmed it. So this could be also just a statement about, about character, that one aspect of character is speaking the truth, another aspect of character is keeping your commitments. And, and not keeping your commitments, meaning as a repeated practice, because uh, we all fall short in commitments here and there, um, that's a very big violation of character. I mean, those are my, those are my thoughts, um, just thinking out loud about it. Let me know if you have any other reflections on it or if anyone else does, inshallah. Any other questions or thoughts?
Now, let's see, an oath is on an individual level, a covenant seems to be more of a community bond. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, so think of the pact that the prophet, peace be upon him, uh, has with, with the Jewish tribes that we often call the Constitution of Medina. I would speak of a covenant or a pact as an oath at the community level. Um, so yeah. and, and let me know if there is something particular you're thinking about it that, that I'm totally missing. Okay, Michelle. Any other questions or thoughts as we go further? We're going to start introducing causes of Kufr. So far we've had like manifestations and what we're going to do as we, as we go deeper through this section is to try to figure out how to classify these. There's going to be some things that are, that are going to feel more like causes, some things that are going to feel like manifestations, and there's also going to be some things that are going to feel like other consequences of either the causes or the manifestations. So like a cause, causing another cause, causing another cause. And that'll be starting as soon as inshallah tomorrow. Any other questions or thoughts? Okay. Uh, with this, uh, can you get vaccines or have blood drawn while fasting? Uh, I used to know the answer to this and I believe the answer to this is still yes. Anybody remember, anybody else? Uh, uh, this is something I'll, 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 I have to look up again, and it could be, you know, last year Ramadan fasting brand that I'm forgetting at the moment, because here technically you are not. Wait. Okay, blood drawn and fasting and getting a vaccine are two different things, because I do know uh, that if you're getting uh, an injection, that does not break your fast. Uh, but the blood drawn part, I'm pretty sure also does not, but I'm going to have to go talk to higher authorities. Any other questions related to all this or vaccines or drawing blood? Oh, drawing blood, it kind of, you know, it, it connected with the Aya that we're talking about. So, so that was pretty deep. Okay, so rather than me continue my stand-up act, we'll, we'll stop right here, inshallah, and, and continue tomorrow. Uh, did you all still want to continue meeting through the end of Ramadan? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Okay, inshallah. Works for me. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk We will probably have an Eid break, yes. How long the Eid break will be, we will see, inshallah. Okay, maybe, or maybe what we'll do is we'll just have class and everybody just has to say, may Allah reward you for this, may Allah reward you for that. Yeah. All right, wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. And again, may Allah tell her to reward you all.